The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. He's connected. Jason Barrett says, I'd like to see you here. The answer is when, where, what do you need? Respected. He's got a long and distinguished career in the sports radio business. Truly one of the titans of our industry. And unequivocally invested. This is the place to be if you're in the sports business. He is Jason Barrett. And this is the Jason Barrett Podcast. Now bringing you in-depth conversations with the best and brightest in sports media. And shedding light on the industry's biggest opportunities and challenges. Here's the the president of Barrett Media, Jason Barrett. Nice to have you aboard for another edition of the Jason Barrett Podcast. I am Jason Barrett. Today's episode will feature a 30-minute discussion with Steve Griffin. He's the president and general manager for 1010XL, which is the sports radio leader in Jacksonville, I was in the Sunshine State recently checking out a Florida Gators game on Saturday, the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, and working with Steve's crew on Thursday and Friday, so I thought we'd make use of the time together to get into some business talk. Steve runs a standalone brand, which has a heavy emphasis on local business and includes talent that contribute to sales, so I thought there were some interesting issues that we could get into And I think you'll find the conversation and the information insightful. A quick note before we jump ahead, I'll be in New York City for the NAB on October 19th and 20th. If you're making the trip and looking to connect to discuss business, email me at jbarrett at sportsradiopd.com. Otherwise, maybe we'll just bump into each other in the hallway at some point. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's dive into this week's What I've Seen or Heard. Attention! Attention! Have I got your attention now? Last week I was on the road in Florida when news broke that KGO in San Francisco was dropping the news talk format, parting ways with its local staff, and preparing for the introduction of a new format on Monday. Word trickled out quickly that the station would embrace the world of sports betting and become known as 810 The Spread with KNBR PD Kevin Graham overseeing the radio station. On Monday, the news became official and the lineup was announced with the majority of talent coming from Odyssey's BetQL and CBS Sports Radio. California will vote in November on two competing ballot measures. They're known as Proposition 26 and Proposition 27. Prop 26 would make retail sports betting legal. Prop 27 would would legalize online sports betting. If either goes through, the state could generate anywhere from 100 to 200 million annually in tax revenues, which explains why many support it. But depending on which one wins, we could see sports books operating in the state of California in 2023. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the opportunities in sports gambling could be massive in California, and by dropping news talk on the 8:10 a.m. signal in favor of betting, this could make the brand a top destination for sports books and advertisers. San Francisco is a top five market with just under 7 million people, and there's excellent support locally for professional and college sports. This is also a city where some of the world's top companies operate, such as Apple, Google, Facebook, Twitter, etc. So owning a leadership position in this space, very important. 
But though I understand it perfectly from a business standpoint, I do have questions about it from a listenership point of view. Have we seen enough concrete evidence yet to suggest that audience demand and solid ratings can be achieved in a top local market with all-day sports betting content? Consider that KNBR and 95.7 The Game already deliver local sports content in the marketplace and both do well. KNBR 2 also operates, although it's on a weaker signal on 1050 AM. At some point, what becomes too much? And are we okay with smaller cumes and ratings if those audiences are more likely to put their credit cards on file with the sports book we're doing business with? The AM band itself has been losing steam for over a decade, but if it became known as the destination for sports gambling and an older audience, one by the way with money, turned regularly to it, isn't that a smart way of making it valuable again? I do wonder how this space will affect measuring impact going forward. The TSL and Cube world that I come from is going to have to experience change in my opinion because dedicated audiences who are more likely to remember and use a product should matter more than a large number of samplers. Gambling is built for the P1, not really the P2, but as it becomes normal and part of daily conversation, maybe that will change. When a station goes down this road, it's easy to analyze where things might go in the future, and the betting space is one I've been following and working in for the past five years. So I'm intrigued to see how a 10 the spread does in the Bay Area, especially if the state votes for legalized sports betting. But though there's a bright spot for the sports format in this, it's also important not to forget that people who dedicated their lives, careers, and countless hours to KGO are now without work and a brand that was a big part of people's lives. KGO wasn't some small station that failed to connect. This was a number one rated brand from 1978 to either 2009 or 2010. When PPM began measuring the market, the station suffered. And in 2011, the same year that I helped launch 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, KGO blew up its previously successful talk model in favor of an all-news approach. That turned out to be a mistake. The PR the station dealt with wasn't very good. The ratings and ad dollars declined, and by 2016, the station reversed its decision and returned to an all-talk format. Here we are six years later. The results still aren't satisfactory enough for Cumulus Media to stick with the news talk format over an opportunity to grow its business in the sports betting space. With this move taking place, I think you know what it means moving forward. Others are going to follow suit. BetQL is already on in other cities. Beeson has distribution in some great markets. SportsGrid at a couple of spots as well. And radio typically reacts in predictable fashion. And as more states go legal and the dollars increase, the rush to profitability is going to intensify. I know it's sad to see people lose work, and it's hard to watch a brand with rich history vanish from a city's airwaves. But companies don't own and operate these stations just to please the public. They do it to make a profit. And the safe bet right now is on Cumulus making more money in the betting space, especially if Californians give the green light to legalizing sports gambling. Well done, sir.
If you have any thoughts on 810 The Spread, KGO, or the future of sports betting audio brands, I welcome your feedback. My email is jbarrett at sportsradiopd.com. I'm also accessible on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. But now let's get to this week's conversation. My guest is Steve Griffin, the president and general manager for Seven Bridges Broadcasting, which owns and operates 1010XL, Jacksonville sports radio leader. I thought it'd be different and interesting to hear how Steve has built a sustainable brand in North Florida where he's featured and developed female talent, operated a brand where talent hosts shows and sell advertising, grown a strong digital and local sales operation, plus thrived financially without being dependent on Nielsen. So if you enjoy good, solid radio business discussion, sit back, relax, and turn up the volume. Yo! In April was 15 years, correct? Yes. So we're looking at 15 and a half years now the station's been in existence. Obviously, in that time, this is a standalone group, and yet you guys have been the leader in this market for that time. Like, There's no question when you come to Jacksonville, 1010XL is the sports voice people seek out. What do you attribute that long-term success and sustainability to? I think it started with a good plan and the fact that we brought to the station, the people in the market that would make the difference and and help us become the leader right off the bat. So, And then they've stayed. My job's pretty simple. I need to create an environment where they can flourish and, and they want to stay here. And so far, we have don't have a lot of people, you know, jumping over the wall as they're trying to get over the wall, as they say. So. Well, uh, so how do you do that? Because you have a morning show that's been here for the majority of that I time. I overpay everybody by a lot. <laughs> Well, that probably helps, right? But I mean, your consistency with the drill, Mike Dempsey, Rick Ballou at night, Frank Frangie, primetime, like all these shows have been here. There hasn't been a lot of let's run out, chase the bigger market. It's been about, hey, we could build some success here. Well, one, a lot of the guys uh, have been here the majority of their lives, so they they like it. Um, and, And number two, it's a great place to be. It's a great market in a great state. We were affected, but barely affected by the pandemic. We opened up May 17th, 2020. Everybody was back in this building doing their job. You know, they like, he seemed to like each other. They get along with each other. It's rare, you know, uh, it happens, but it's rare. We have, we have big arguments or, or big disagreements that, that as guys with egos tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that has a lot to do with it. it it's not corporate. At all. Uh, maybe probably should be a little more corporate at times, but we try to create the environment where we're, we're going to be flexible with things. We're going to be, we're going to treat everybody fair, but fair to you is not necessarily fair to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the best way to explain it. Outside of the fact that, you know, some people grow up here, they like to live here, they do well from a compensation standpoint. And obviously, it is a great place. You know, the weather here is pretty spectacular, which is uh, a big draw, right? How do you continue to reach people and keep them motivated? I've I've always said as a program director, it's really hard when you work with a radio station and a staff. If your staff isn't changing, reaching that individual over five to ten years becomes really hard. How do we continue to grow together without tuning each other out? Well, I think a lot of it has been, you know, that old adage, you don't hire people that are motivated. You, it's, it's difficult to motivate somebody. You got to hire people that, that want to succeed, that want to do well. 
Um, you know, part of our talent, uh, our, our better talent, we also sell on the streets. Mm -hmm. And that's given them an opportunity to really supplement their income well by going out and using their on-air status and their relationships to be able to sell. So I think that helps. Um, there's no really magic potion. We talk a lot. I understand them. Now, when opportunities come, and that's one of the reasons you work with us, I knew three or four years ago that I, I thought we were getting stagnant in some places and there were, there were things we were missing, slipping through the cracks and this and that and the other. So digital being the biggest, mm -hmm. um, we look for opportunities to tweak and, and, and we've made some wholesale changes when it was necessary, but we look for opportunity, but kept the people. But look for opportunities to tweak. And if there's a really good talent out there we want to bring in, I'll make room for that talent. We'll move somebody someplace else. And and they've been accommodating, I think, based on how they've been treated in the past. So we're not afraid to make those. Or I'm not afraid to make those. But, you know, the universe, if you let it, it it's kind of supplies it to you. Mm -hmm. and, and it's done a very good job for us. I want to ask you about something you just said there about the talent selling. Because... Mm -hmm. That's, you know, there are examples of it across the country, but most don't. Right. There's an advantage to that with, you know, first of all, especially if a, if a talent is good at it, mm -hmm. um, there's no better salesperson than the person who's on the air for 15 hours a week. Who exactly. Say, hey, let me show you how I could work you in. And also when you're not in a New York, Chicago, Dallas, where it's easy to say, here's a ton of money. You want to make a big living in some smaller cities? Well, guess what? There's no better way to do that than to be involved in sales. How have you seen it work on the inside, I guess, from the standpoint of making sure these guys still prioritize good content versus just doing what's beneficial for the for the bottom line? Because there there is that give and take, right? Like, do there I create is. a bad piece of content because I'm going to make a dollar on it versus good content and trying to attach that might not get dollars on it? Again, they've been good about understanding the the two different roles, and I've got a great sales manager. So the sales side of it goes under him. Anything they want to do on the air comes to me. They don't they don't say I'm going to create this and have this guy come in for two hours a week just to talk about widgets. They come in, they say, "Hey, look, what can we do?" Mostly, it's tagging it to ideas they already have. Hey, I want to do a high school segment on Tuesdays for fifteen twenty minutes. I'm going to talk, bring a couple of high school kids in. Go get a sponsor for that. Mm -hmm. The thing I've been most satisfied is that a lot of these guys, before I brought them on, were selling their own shows anyway. That they were just contracted folks and they were going to other sports radio stations in town and, and they were selling it and giving, you know, a broker fee to the radio station. Typically, that stuff is a lot of trade and a lot of low rate stuff. <laughs> well, these guys have done a very good job of, of weeding out the trade and of sticking with the rate card that ha this time of year um, that they have to stick with. And when the sales manager does a shout out, half the time it's the hybrid guys, I call them, the guys that sell in yeah. on air, that are getting the, you know, the, the rate that we want. And so they've been, they understand, again, they understand it. I, you ask a hard question sometimes. I always, when people say, how come? I say, go ask them. Because- mm -hmm. We're a blessed place with some good people and, um, you know, not without our issues. And as you know, we need to improve in a lot of areas yeah. every day, you know. Well, every radio station does. You know, one one area of improvement, you guys, I've said this even before we started working together. You know, one thing that I really loved about the brand is you guys prioritized 
female talent on the air. Yes. And you look at the history of some of the women who've come through here, they've gotten an opportunity, they've run with it, they've went on to do bigger things. Yep. Finding a way to get women on the air and to key positions, not always easy. So how did it start and how have you ultimately got it to a point where it's continued on and on and on? Um, it started with having female interns that you could tell they had something about them. They understood sports. They liked it. They got along with, with people. They, they, they sounded okay on the air, you know, and had, had the elements that you were looking for. And then little by little, most of them, like Lauren or Jessica, who was here, or they were, they were producers, you know, at night. And then they got into an afternoon drive show. And, you know, if you do it right, kind of become part of the show. And then we'd move them out. And the first year we got the Jaguars, they were talking about a little bit about the female side. And, and one of their, folks actually said, have you thought about doing a show that would be all females and, and the Jaguars would help supply talent and this and that and the other supply players and coaches and things yep. like that. And I said, sure, I think we got enough to put it together. So we took um, Donna and Jessica and Lauren and, uh, and I went out and found a young lady who was kind of a, a frequent caller in, a Blythe, and, and, and put together a show. Uh, helmets and heels and you know it kind of took off and it's still going today it, yeah. at, at some point it's when you know jessica left and amanda came in and amanda we hired from tampa she'd already been doing these kind of things and she wanted to expand it and we got her in and and you know they all have their strengths they all have their weaknesses just like the the, the male counterparts and um helmet and heels is still going on it's very well sponsored and it's but at times i'll pick them up and and Groups on vacation, I'll throw them in, put them in the morning show a few months mm -hmm. ago. And Lauren ended up going with Frangie and after Amanda left to go do the Rangers stuff. And at, that's after Jessica left to do the Marlins and the Panthers stuff. And Taylor was an intern who's doing our social and was always part of that as well. And and then um, Don's been with us almost all 15 years, came from a talk station in town. So mm -hmm. she kind of had that mentality of how to do that and the skill sets for that. And then, uh, Mia, somebody I chased for a year and a half. So we were able to pull her over and, and, you know, we've got another good one. You know, it tells any woman in the market or going to college, thinking about getting in the business, when you see there's a track record of Jessica Blaylock, Amanda Borges, you had uh, Jordan who was here as yeah, in, in Chicago, Chicago. Yep. Taylor Dahl's doing well here, Mia, Lauren Brooks. Like, you start to look at all that, you go, hey, there's a shot that I could build something of myself if I went there because look at all the women who came before me. Right. And honestly, I don't think I answered it very well. Being a female had nothing to do with it. It was about people that made sense, sounded good, and and got along with folks. I've had enough shows where I've had even after three or four years of looking really good, where I've had to move people around just mm -hmm. because they got so tired of each other. It was, <laughs> it was rough. So, um, but so really being a female had nothing to do with it. That, that's not a hindrance and that's not a plus. It's, it's how do you sound? How do you work within our system with our listeners and communicate with them? And, and um, how do you get along with people? Because if, if you can't get along with the office staff or the sales staff or the other interns, you're not going to last yeah. here. I, I don't need it. You mentioned before the Jags partnership starting in around 14, yeah. and they yeah. were they were proponents of it, and obviously you've done a great job with it. Talk to me about the world of being a play-by-play -play partner. Play-by-play -play is a big asset. It's really important that fans can hear the team. There are obviously relationship perks that come with that during the week. At the same time, 
There's inventory pressure. There's mm-hmm. pressure of making sure that are we being a good partner and, you know, not burying the team if they, they have a bad week. You know, what do you consider the radio station's role in making sure that you're not only being fair to the fan base you have to serve, but also to the team that you're in business with? They've been very good about saying, hey, look, if we stink, we stink and you can talk mm-hmm. about it. We're not changing that. We're not. And I've never got a memorandum from anybody or a phone call going, hey, we didn't look good yesterday. Don't talk about it. Yeah. That. If they didn't send you a memorandum during the Urban Meyer year, you're or, okay. <laughs> forget that. Even going back before that, the malarkey year. Yeah. I mean, the on and on of, of, of the issue. So, no, they have, they've been very good about that. So, I, you know, I treat them like kind of like I treat everybody else, uh, the other clients and the people in the building. Is It's kind of, you know, do unto others as you want. I, mm-hmm. I, I put them as a priority. I understand what they need. I want to help them succeed. Mm-hmm. And what can I do to help them succeed? When they call I are right, I do my best to make them feel like they're the only client we have on the radio station. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the digital growth. You know, you mentioned how... Uh, you know, that's one area that's obviously changed and gotten really stronger over the last, especially 15 years. But even so, in the last couple of years, you guys have really made a priority to mm-hmm. get behind video content, right. behind podcasting, doing original stuff. Let me ask you, before we get into some of those specifics of now, what was it you saw two, three years ago that told you, I need to put a bigger focus on this? What I was reading, you know, either the stuff from your site or other sites, mm-hmm. uh, what I was seeing from our, our streams that it continuing to grow, uh, you know, off the apps uh, and not fully understanding that or not fully understanding how to monetize or, or better yet, just even how to maximize that mm-hmm. use in, in that situation. Uh, it's much like I can remember sitting in a table with uh, our investors and going, picking up my phone saying, I think eventually... This is going to be as important as anything we do terrestrially. And, you know, again, based on what I've read and what I saw and all these other things are out there, especially Twitter, which was the strongest, yep. but, you know, from the other social platforms. And it was, look, I know I need to maximize that. I don't know enough about it. So, A, let me get folks in here that do. And so I hired a videographer and moved people in. I brought you in mm-hmm. and then and then we brought me in to run it all. Yep. And that was kind of like the last piece we needed and it's kind of taken off. We still don't know what we have. We're trying things. We'll do it differently the next mm-hmm. time, but we're trying to get enough content out there to take care of our folks that only listen to us terrestrially, the ones that listen on the app and then the ones that may not listen to either one of those, but mm-hmm. follow us on TikTok or Instagram because the content makes sense because they're JAG fans. Yep. And um, I want to serve all three of those as best I can. What have you learned since you got in the space? Because you said early on, you know, how you were looking to go, I don't understand it, but I know we need to be in it. Right. So since you started getting in it, what have been some of the things that have surprised you positively or negatively? I, I think the first thing is how good some of the stuff we produce looks and, and comes across. And I, I look at that and go, wow, that's kind of cool. I don't spend a lot of time looking at others. So it might be as cool. That's what it, one of yep. the reasons I have you to tell me. It's no, that's not cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I like the exuberance and the grinding that this team does on this stuff. I mean, that surprised me. Well, uh, you guys did an eight-part series, The Book of Bo, around right. Tony Baselli going into the Hall of Fame, right. which was top-notch. You did a Trevor cast last year. I think it was at six or eight episodes leading up to the draft. Right. Like, it's really good original content that... 
if you super serve the sports fan, eventually you start to build an audience. And then once you have an audience, you can monetize right, it. But right. convincing the advertiser to run there right away takes time. Right. Just for those that are weeping for the future, these are Gen Z and GNX, young Gen X folks doing this. Yeah. You know, and they're grinding and they're putting in the time and they'll send me a text at three in the morning that says, hey, I just finished. I wanted you to see it. You know, this Book of Bow yep. series or something like that. I mean, it, they really do. And when you've got people like that, I mean, it's kind of loose the reins a little bit and let yeah. them go. I'm smart enough to know to hire people that know stuff that I don't. Well, you know, one thing that I really love about your digital team, they prioritize different content for different right. channels, which is why it's grown. I mean, how do you keep up with that? <laughs> because you got to look at a radio station, run the business, also know, are we growing on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok? There's a lot of things to keep up with. They're good about month-end reports. You know, they put them together for me that tells me the growth of all those things or, or the, you know, the step backs, if that's the case, the decline. It's like I said, I've got good people. You know, I have people who have been with me 15, I think Michelle's. 25, 27 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I brought her down from Wilkesburg, Scranton. Um, Tom, my production guy, has been with me 20 years. I mean, so it's not like I'm having to micromanage all these departments. There are times I'll step in and say, okay, let's look at everything. Can we do it better? Can we do it right? What resources do you need? And then back out and let it go. And again, I got folks that are loyal and, and most importantly, that don't want to fail. Mm -hmm. They want to be the best. And, and they kind of get ticked off when they can't be. You mentioned how you'll get the monthly report. Mm -hmm. And one thing I love about your brand, and you know anyone who's listening to me talk about this knows, I'm not exactly the biggest proponent for Nielsen ratings in 2022. <laughs> I just don't believe that they are really measuring our industry and the impact sure. it has the way. And you guys don't go down that path. You're no. not a Nielsen station. I actually turned off the boxes and sent them back. Right. Because yeah. they probably weren't delivering weren't, enough for you. Well, they, just, they didn't deliver anything. They Because we didn't subscribe, they, they didn't report us at all as being in existence. So. so then when you get the monthly report on the digital side, mm -hmm. whether it be the growth of YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, your stream, yeah. your podcast... What are the things that, like, when you're looking to measure impact of your product, your brand, what are the things you're looking for outside of the revenue going up and, you know, people liking, uh, telling you that they like the station? What what areas are you most interested in and in determining if, if you're on the right path or not? Well, it's always going to be growth year over year, month over month. I may not grow, you know, September to October, because September is so big this year yep. uh, with so much going on. But um, how does, you know, October look compared to last October? Are we, there are not a lot of industry standards that I'm aware of. I mean, that first first year or so, you know, we're going on zeros and things yeah. like that. So it's going to be big. Now it's like, and that's where I, I look to people like you to help digest it a little bit. I ask mm -hmm. the questions and I say, and sometimes I get, it's an algorithm change. I'm like, what? And I'm like, all right, we got to deal with that again. It's the kind of content we're putting out. It's how much we're putting out. Are we targeting the right people with the right things? And and then always, especially with Twitter, I have them break down, give me the five or six Twitter posts that did really well and the five or six that, that didn't do well. And let me decide, let's say, okay, why did those not do well? Why did they do well? You know, it's kind of pretty easy to tell if it's Jags and Trevor and James Robinson or somebody, it's going to do well. And 
there's some other things. It's just eh. that's the impact stuff on the product side. What about when it comes to the business side? Like you guys have a really good, you know, track record in this market. You do a lot of your majority of your business off local sales. It's been really consistent. It's, yeah, it's more. It's ninety nine point nine percent. You know, we hear people talk about twenty twenty three. Is there going to be a recession? And so when you're trying to forecast and go. Okay, should I expect a 2% drop, a 5% drop? Do I expect a 5% gain, a 10% gain? How do you arrive at that? I talked to my investors who were all over the, the country. We live in Jacksonville and we live in Florida. Politics aside, that's worked out really well. And we have not seen, and the market hasn't seen, I can tell you, the market's growing very well. Uh, this year, where others aren't, and well, a lot of people are moving to the state. Yeah, that too. But that's, but that's, <laughs> that doesn't hurt. Well, that's what I think. That's what it is. Yeah, and it's it's to it. According to everybody else, it's going to happen through twenty twenty four. You know, I was I only went into twenty uh, twenty two expecting three to five percent growth, and we're going to do eleven or twelve percent. You know, I'm not going to say ten percent next year. I'm going to say three to five percent again. Yep. You know, Ken and I have already talked about it, and and. We got a good feel, and um, we think we can do it. It's going to take monetizing some digital. It's going to be maybe an event or two we hadn't thought about. It's yep. going to take some other things, but I got a great investor base. They're they're looking. They understand the world. Yep. And if the sky falls on January, well, we're going to be okay. They understand the sky fell. It makes yeah. it easier to say, guys, why are we not working? Because the sky fell. Right, right, right. <laughs> you got to be realistic. It's easy to just put numbers on paper, but life happens. You right. know, you're going to have a and they plan during that. a pandemic year, and the pandemic hits. Guess what? Right. Some advertising's going to be off. Yeah, and they understood that, and they were very, very, again, very patient, and they live in the real world when it comes to that. When you look at radio in general over the last decade, revenue mm-hmm. has kind of been flat to slightly down, right? And so you mentioned there- events, digital. What are some things that you look at, whether it's those two or others that you think, hey, if they're, if we're going to continue to grow somewhere down the road over the next decade, what are the spaces that you feel are important? Is it original video? Is it podcasting? Is it events, merchandising, something else? Right now, the focus is on digital. That may We may pivot onto something at some point. You mentioned all the people moving into Florida. There's a lot of local business we don't have. You can mm-hmm. listen to the other radio stations that do well locally, the other talk or the, the music stations, and, and there are some that do very well locally. Um, enough to give us that 3% growth. Yeah. If we could just get them. We were fortunate enough to be able to um, grab a couple of those this year, and they made a big difference. And I think once you get them, they stay with you, mm-hmm. you know, because they understand radio. They've been in the market for years and years, and they understand radio. So. Right now, we're putting a lot on digital video and saying, okay, what's going to click? What hits? Um, I can tell you the the Book of Bo, uh, the sponsorship for just that series was great. Like all things here, it was packaged with commercials and other things, but- But there were dollars attached to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, significant dollars. More than anything, even more than Trevor Cast last year. So those kind of things will help us get chunk money- to be able to go toward but it. What's really interesting with that, you see all the success stories talked about of the growth of podcasting and video and all that. But most of those stories tend to come back to national buys or national brands. You're selling local mm-hmm. and you're getting local dollars attached to digital. Correct. So how do you get the local advertiser to think and, and value 
the podcast, the original, because you're doing some original things. Right. I mean, Bacelli went into the Hall of Fame, and that's a sexy local opportunity. Right. You got somebody to put local dollars. So I how do you get their mindset there? Well, I, th- I think it just what you said, coming up with the right ideas. They'll buy a great idea. Yeah. And and if I say only two exclusive sponsors can be part of this book of Bacelli, you know, they're willing to pay the freight if- they understand the importance of it to the market, to the because again, who's buying their cars? It's yeah. the same people that like the Jags. And <laughs> hey, I saw you. You know, you sponsored the book of Baselli. I'm going to buy a, a Toyota from you. It's, it's a small town, you know, that has you know 1.2 million people in the in the market, um, which I know to where you, most places that is small, but for here, it's, you know, we we have kind of a small town mentality. You mentioned cars. When you look at categories in some other markets, auto has been off it's from a here business. Too. Okay, so that, for us, I was curious. So, like when auto, which a lot of radio has been so dependent on for a long time, goes through, hey, we're not going to spend as much. How do you, as a market manager, make up for that? If auto spends fifty percent less than they did last year, and we're trying to grow to three to five percent, how am I going to make up for a category that was hot? Not being hot, how do you approach that with your sales crew? First, we do a very good job of not calling on places that we don't do well with. We don't waste our time there. That means all the time we do waste is on the categories that do well. So mm-hmm. we just buckle up, look at those categories, and we go after them hard. We go after them with good ideas. Mm-hmm. We've got the Jaguars. We've got the Gators. We've got Jacksonville University. We've I, we do a ton with high school, which is established talent. Established talent, part. very popular here, the the high school side of things too. So we can tailor something that's going to mm-hmm. make, make them feel good about, hey, put my name on this. Again, it's not magic. It's just focus on, well, we know these categories work, they're on, and, and let's go out. There's others out there we don't have. Let's mm-hmm. go get them. And when auto comes back, good for us. I'll touch on sports betting in a moment with you because that's obviously been a category that continues to rise for this format. But what other categories in general do you see and say, hey, there's there's room for growth in the future in these spaces and I feel good about versus, you know, making sure you don't you're not putting your time into the autos if they're not going to continue sure. to grow. I think for us, uh, two areas that, that I hear old other places, uh, financial planning. Because, as you know, sports, the household income is pretty freaking good. And um, medical is another area. You hear that. We're not as old as news talk, but we do exceptionally well with orthopedics. We do Mm -hmm. exceptionally well with with things that guys my age, especially, shoulder, knee, every night, every morning I think I wake up and there's something. I say, where'd that come from? (laughs) And I'm like, so we've got, you know, so... Those are areas that we look at, but home improvement does really well with yeah. us. Attorneys do very well with us. I was um, going to ask you about attorneys. Yeah. I've been on a five-week college football tour so far. Every city I've went in, there are billboards on every highway right. for the local attorneys. Right. I hear them on every radio station. I'm like, man, this is category five different cities, and they're dominant on right. every one. Right. They do very well with us. Uh, you know, entertainment does well. I mean, you know, Ken just told me, I think the this morning we had got a big... AEW, you know, now they're based, oh, yeah, they're out based here. here. Yeah, they're based here. Yeah. But, you know, That's w- good. when the pandemic left, they, you know, they took off to other markets and they, yep. they came back. Uh, they've been very good to us and their buys are, are generous. So things like that, that we do well. You know, it used to be concerts wouldn't buy it. Now they tried a couple of places and it works. Now there's hardly a concert that comes into the market. 
you get a buy for that and yep. you can give away tickets and that just kind of adds to the the flavor of the station. So in my mind, there's medical dollars out there and financial planning dollars out there. Now, some of that may come via national. And like I told you, I'm not going to do 1% national. Let, let me ask you about that. I turn it away. Because I do have agencies who listen to some of this. What do you feel when it comes to the national ad business? What do you feel they miss about a brand like yours? It has an impact in a local market, delivers results. Obviously, you wouldn't have the local billing you do if you're not delivering for local. Correct. But yet, because a lot of them, they look at the ratings well, that's and they all they need look the cost at. per point and that's all this. Right. That's it. So what, what do they miss when they don't buy a station like this in a market like this that could deliver results? Well, not understanding that radio is a local companion. That's what it is. They always lose track of that. And, and it's not just us. There are other stations in mm-hmm. this town that, that deserve a better look because they they do a good job that way. And and they don't have time. They're they're buying sixty markets, and I got to have it by tomorrow. But um, you know, if you spend time, if you make a few calls, if you call some of the people and and say, hey, tell me about this, tell me about that. Are they respected? How they have you looked at in the community? Do they do they help the community? Do they? You know, are they an entertaining place to go? Da 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 da. And then, you know, and again, it's not the only which talent will move my product. That's right. <laughs> At the end of the day, it comes down to if I'm going to spend a dollar, can I make two? But I guess it's just too much research to do with something like that, or somebody doesn't. You know, every now and then we get a client that locally pushes up, and then they come down back down to us because they say, "Hey, we we were told to buy you. Yep. Can you send us over a ranker? No. <laughs> and I wa- I'm don't have one and won't give you one. So, um, you know, they have to do it. Some of it's on faith. But to me, that's what radio is anyway. It's it's local. It's And there's local business out there. You just got to get off your rear end and get out there and do it. And we got a good staff. It's the, the hybrid folks and the sales staff get out and do it. Well, and then they keep their relationships, out, right. which is why people continue to come back. I mentioned before sports betting in your state's interesting because obviously mm. there's a lot of involvement it hasn't been legalized right. yet you know the Seminole tribes involved in a lot of this i see other states that haven't been legal and they'll get bought by the bet online my bookie some offshore stuff That's and then, us. you know eventually if they go legal then a surplus of cash comes in from some of the betting companies cuz now it's legal and they right. they're on the uh the rush to get the customer how do you look at the sports betting space and the window of opportunity when you're projecting 23-24? Well, you know, go back to a question you asked earlier about, you know, how do you look at that 3 to 5% growth? Well, the sports betting comes in, then da-da, that's You'll it be for, back at your 11 to 13. That's right. That's the next two years. <laughs> don't have to worry about it. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to do here. I can tell you, and this, this is an, another indicator that tells me the station is growing, because the folks you mentioned uh, that U.S. bet online mm-hmm. are good customers for us, mm-hmm. uh, may have one or two other ones that come in. But every year they've grown, and it used to be they'd be with us the first couple of months, then cancel the rest of the year because you know the the call ins dwindle down, and, and there's no reason to be there. The last couple of years, it's been we're re-upping, and we're going to spend even more the last month. So that tells me we have more listeners, and that tells me the listeners are or we've got some individuals that are spending a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, either one I'm fine with, uh, as long as you're safe about it. And uh, that's where we are. Every now and then we get some Seminole money and that that's the deal that the, the Seminoles have it. Whether they decide to share it with two or three others and, you know, which would open it up for us too. Uh, there's a law about 
casinos having to be on on Seminole land, and um, that'll work itself out. And when it when it does, we're going to be ready, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll take advantage of that too. Let me ask you one last thing, and we'll wrap up on this. So, like when you look at sports radios present and more so its future. Mm-hmm. What are you still excited about? Where do you see the business have an opportunity to grow over the next five, 10 years? I spend uh, driving in, driving home, and then I'll spend it because I'm, I'm an old guy. I spend an hour and a half about every lunch, I'll grab something to eat, and I'll eat it in the car. Um, that doesn't always work out well, but um, I'll drive around and I'll listen to us. And there are times when driving home or morning or anytime, I'll hear something, I'll go, geez, that was really good because I'm a P2. I'm not a P1. I want to be entertained first, informed, and be able to take that bullet to stick in my my pocket and use it when you know I can impress somebody. What gets me excited is there are times we'll do something and I'll go, holy cow, was that good? Entertaining, sounded good, great questions, good answers. I, my pocket's full of bullets. Yep. Every day looking for that one thing that I can say we did that does that for me. As a P2 listener, as a guy that wants to be entertained first and enjoy it. And the texts and emails I get from the people I don't know and people I do know, so when they say, thanks for the morning show or thanks for the afternoon show or thanks for any Jags today because I learned something today or I laughed the whole time. Mm-hmm. One laugh is worth it. So that's what gets me up. Can we keep doing this? At a high level, when I know I've got main talent getting older and going to retire at some point, I imagine all of them will have to shoehorn out of here. They're probably not going to want to retire on their own. <laughs> but uh, uh, can we find the people to take their place, to keep it going for this city? It deserves it. Yeah. For the Jaguars, they deserve it. For the Gators, they deserve it. For the high schools, they deserve it. When I can hear something and just go, I work there? That's what does it for me. Thank you for listening to the Jason Barrett Podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, YouTube, or wherever you consume podcasts. And to stay in touch with Jason, follow him on Twitter at Sports Radio PD or read his columns on BarrettSportsMedia.com.